Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to turn there. So how are we doing? Are we okay so far? Transition grace? Doing all right? Okay. Ephesians 5. Everyone who is in Christ has a, a unique testimony, and then we all share the same testimony. All of us were, we were dead and now we're alive. That Jesus has crossed us from death into life. We were lost, now we're found. We were far away, now we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were estranged from Him and now we are sons and daughters. However you want to think of it, however you want to explain it, our testimonies are the same. If you are a Christian, we have a unified story But then the details of how he did that are different for every one of us in the church, all around the world. He's never done it the exact same way twice. You have your own, like, fingerprint version of that story and how that came to be real in your life. Um, From a church perspective, it's, it's similar. We have a unified testimony, and it's that Jesus takes care of his bride. He always, he takes care of his church. We are here by the grace of God and we have this unified testimony, not only of salvation, but also of the fact that he takes care of his church. And the first Sunday together in, in praying through it and just thinking, you know, God, there's so much that, that can be said that needs to be said. What do you, uh, what do you, where do, where do we go? He was pretty clear with me. This is not a time for vision casting. You know, this is not about uh, us coming together and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And this is not rally the troops and this is not uh, lay out the plans and this is not any of that stuff. There'll be time for that, but this is not what today is. Today is us sitting in this, uh, sitting in it and celebrating the fact that Jesus has taken care of his church and he's proven it again because we're in this room. In Ephesians 5, there's a text that's usually preached and taught and studied and applied about marriage. But it's really about Jesus. I mean, marriage is about Jesus, but the text, every text is about him. Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Jesus takes care of his bride. He takes care of his people. You know, the, the church is not an organization. We're not a business. We're not, we're not a structure. We're, not a, I mean, we're incorporated with the state, but we're not a corporation. It's none of those models that we see out there around us. The, the church, is, she's alive. She feels, she hurts, she celebrates, she grieves, she uh, has great joy in things. There are seasons of abundance and seasons of 
um, necessity, and she is beautiful sometimes, and she is less than beautiful other times, and yet he takes care of her. He takes care of her in, uh, in ways that are precise, in ways that are full of, of power and, and grace, and he takes care of her in ways that only he can take care of her. Only his shepherding and guidance and care, his nourishing and cherishing could bring us from what we see in the New Testament and the Old Testament and that trajectory to to landing us in groups all over the world uh, today. So how does he take care of her? Look Look at what the text says, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as 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 Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I mean, the first way that we we see him, he it's self-sacrifice. He gave himself up for her, and of, our minds, of course, go to the to the cross. We're we're in the season of Lent. We like Christians around the world have set their faces toward Jerusalem, like Jesus did. We're journeying toward Easter, uh, toward Holy Week, toward uh, the the beauty of that Thursday night and the tragedy of that Friday and the, uh, the awkward silence of Saturday and the phenomenal resurrection of Sunday. We're headed toward that. So when, when Paul says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that's of course where we go to, but it wasn't just that. Everything that we know about Jesus is self-sacrifice. His incarnation is self-sacrifice. He leaves heaven and comes here. He didn't have to do that. He, he did that for his bride. His whole life was self-sacrifice. He, um, everything about him, everything that the, that the gospels tell us about him, all self-sacrifice. Of course, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, sacrifice. But now he's currently interce- interceding. He's praying for the church. Now he's continuing to take care of his bride, to guide her forward. And he is returning to claim his bride and to bring us uh, in, into this amazing future that we have. So everything about Jesus, when it says he gave himself up for her, it's all of that stuff. And that's why we're here. We wouldn't be here if he, wasn't, if he hadn't initiated that and continued that, and we'll see it all the way through to the end. Verse 26 And it says that he might sanctify her. So he gave himself up for her. Then it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So sanctification, you know, it's kind of one of those church words. And it kind of means different things, different places. But it has this, it has this forward, like this, this kind of evolving uh, tone to it. That sanctification is, it's maturing and it's growing and it's, it's this refinement that's there. But that requires this, this cleansing. And so he gave himself up for his bride, but he's also he's cleansing her, washing her uh, with, with the word. He's setting her apart for holiness, for, for special service to the Lord. And so he's constantly like, like working with his church. We see this in Revelation where he writes letters to, to seven churches in Asia. And some of them are, are, are really... Very like he has very glowing things to say, and then others he's it's not so glowing, and everything in between. That Jesus has opinions about all of of the local expressions of his of his church all over the all over the world. 
he walks among the churches. It says that he walks among those churches in Asia. And so he's like, hey, I know exactly what's going on in every congregation. And I have an opinion about it. And I, I know what to do when you don't know what to do. I have already told you what to do in the scriptures when you are looking for what to do. My spirit lives inside of you. And so I'm going to take care of my bride by sanctifying you, con- continuing to meet you where you are and take care of you because I have set you apart for holy things. It says that in the next in the next verse as well, verse twenty seven. He does all that so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So what what's God's will for your life? Splendor. Holiness. God has created us. To walk in a, a, like, Adam and Eve in the garden, walking with God before sin broke everything. That's what he created us for. There's a purity, there's a holiness, there's a, there's a goodness, there's a, that's, that's what he wants for his bride. And that's what he has given of himself uh, in order to accomplish. That's what he is sanctifying us in. And he, he is doing all this that he may present the church to himself in splendor. Without blemish, that she may be holy. That's he's he's loving his bride unto holiness. And what that means is that if it requires a tough conversation, he's going to get have a tough conversation. If it requires discipline, then it's going to require discipline. If it if it requires encouragement, he's going to provide encouragement. If it's guidance, then he'll provide guidance. Whatever she needs in order for her to be holy without blemish, free from accusation, sanctified, whatever he has to do to sacrifice for his church, he's going to do it over and over and over again. And jump to verse 29. And this says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loved himself. That's 28. 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Nourishes and cherishes it. Because we are one with him. So we don't destroy our bodies. We nourish them and we cherish them. That God is providing nourishment because he cherishes his bride. So all that in that text is really about Jesus. And there's a lot of marriage stuff that comes from that as it should. But the primary thing, the most important thing... Is this overwhelming sense that God looks at us and he does not shake his head. He does not cross his arms and like make that furrowed brow look. He doesn't throw his hands in the air. He's like, I'm just so sick of Christians being this way. I'm so sick of the church being this way. I'm so done with her. That's not his heart for his bride. His, bride, his heart for his bride is that when she is struggling, he's grieving and he wants to lead her. And, and even if that requires difficulty, it's, it's from that place of compassion and love. It's saying, this is going to make you holy. This is going to lead to the splendor that you were created for. And not only the church, like the, not only the, the global like capital C church, but every local expression of that. And the people that make it up. God is not against you. God is not against me. He is for us and he is with us.
And if you're anything like me, you probably doubt that sometimes. It's, you look around your life, you look around the world, and you're like, are we sure? Yeah. But then we read the truth in passages like this, and we're reminded of the power and the strength and the courage and the holiness of our husband, of our brother, of our friend, of our prophet, of our priest, of our king, of our Lord. We have to pull that into our lives and recognize that what he wants for us as a church is the same thing he wants for the capital C global church, and it's the same thing he wants for your life as well. He gave himself up for you. That he may sanctify you. That he might present you to himself in splendor. Free from accusation without blemish. That you may be holy. And his nourishment and his cherishing of your life. May sh- it's going to show up different in every, every one of us. But that is what it is. So, what does that have to do with what we're doing? Well, for 50 years... Jesus has nourished and cherished Sherwood Baptist Church. 50 years in May. So right around this time, 50 years ago, there was a group that was assembling to figure out uh, if they were supposed to plant a church or not. And God has been nourishing and cherishing them ever since. He gave himself up for them. He's to sanct- that they may be sanctified, that they may be holy. That was his agenda. And you, uh, like um, you guys that are from Sherwood, you guys have seen uh, all kinds of stuff. You, some of you in this room have seen the what you would consider the most fruitful days of Sherwood Baptist, and then you stood in this room when it was covered in water, and you wondered, where, what are we going to do? And Jesus wept with you here. Just like he celebrated with you in the fruitful seasons and everywhere in between. And Jesus met you here and you didn't know it, but he said, you know what? You're still my, my bride, even though this place is underwater. And I'm going to nourish you and I'm going to cherish you. And I'm, I've got a trajectory coming forward. I got insurance money coming your way. I got volunteer teams coming your way. I got donations coming your way. I got everything coming your way. So let's be sad. You know, let's cut the pews in half with a chainsaw and drag them out. Like I've heard, I've heard you guys tell the story. Like I've heard those stories, and then piece by piece, he put it back together because he gave himself up for you, that you may be sanctified, that you may be holy, because you're part of him. That's what his nourishment and cherishing of you has looked like. And he also knew that there is a little congregation across town have been praying for 12 years that God would land them somewhere permanent. So Living Hope friends, he's been nourishing and cherishing us too. He provided a gym at Parkview. He provided a, the a renovated BCM center. He provided Grace Baptist. But not just facilities, he's provided the spiritual gifts in both groups. To get you to this point. He's provided people that would, would use their gifts. Would share the ways that God made them. He has not only taken care of his church through material things and through provision. But he's provided you with people. 
And that's the, that's the key. Like that's the church right there. Like that's that's what you look at as well. Is it's not just like, man, we needed a check and God sent a check. Like that's great. But you look at the faithful people. You look at those who shared their gifts. You look at those who worked outside of their giftings. You look at those who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and served because they believed, like we all believe, that God really does take care of his church. And so in the greatest of days, most fruitful times for both congregations, and in the most desperate and confusing, this text is still the same. And it applies to your life, it applies to my life as well. Jesus is infinitely invested in the flourishing of his bride. Infinitely invested. For eternity. This is, this is how, how he operates and how he thinks is in an eternal sense. So he is going to continue to give of himself to sustain his bride. That this text may come true for us. Because he sees the future and I think he looks at us and he's like, yeah, there have been great times, there have been difficult times, but if you only knew what the new earth was going to be like, you, you just, you hang in there, you keep going. And one day some random guy is going to get up in this room and he's going to talk about transition grace and speakers and all that kind of stuff. And you just need to know that this is all part of the nourishing and cherishing. This is all part of him continuing to take care of us. All of it. This morning, together, this is our testimony, is that Jesus takes care of his bride. He leads his bride down the path of righteousness for his namesake. And he does so with precision and with power. And even when things seem really kind of random and like, where did that come from? It's not random to him ever, ever, ever. It's all part of his strategy. So we can be confident in the same leadership that got us to this point, we can be confident in that same leadership going forward. That 50-year history, and on the Living Hope side, that, that 20 or 12, depending on how you want to count it, year history, uh, the same leadership that has brought those two streams together to flow as one river, that same leadership is in place going forward. He will continue to take care of his bride because that's who he is, and that's who we are. And all we really have to do is relax into that. And let him be him to us. There'll be plenty of time for uh, to talk about you know where we're going from here and how we're going to get there. And thing is, what we're what we're doing, these churches coming together, they're at least in the Baptist circles around town. Like people have kind of heard that it's happening, and I've gotten some calls and some messages and stuff. And uh, the neighborhood is probably going to notice a little bit and those kinds of things, and that's great. And, um, but you know, it, it makes no difference what the name of this place is. It makes no difference who is serving in what role. It doesn't matter who's preaching that Sunday or what kind of music it is. Nothing matters really. Like Jesus as the hero of this story, like the exaltation of Jesus as the husband to us, the bride, that's really all, that's all that matters. We should not care if people know what the name of this church is. And they're like, man, it's a bunch of, bunch of words in that. You know? you can't, Jesus is the only name you need to walk out of here like giving a rip about. That's the goal. And, and that's, that's going to continue to be the goal. And other people may try to focus on other things, and it's an interesting conversation. But for us, 
Jesus has taken care of us. He has given himself up for us. To sanctify us. To present us to himself in splendor that we may be holy. And he is nourishing and cherishing us. And he is the best. He is the best. And that's all that matters. So without worrying about the future, we're just going to spend these last few moments just in the goodness of what this is. In this part of our testimony. That Jesus has taken care of his church once again. And so here's how we're going to do that. Um, there's going to be a lot of movement around the room. So I'm just going to go ahead and warn you about that. Uh, but I think in a good way. Because things like this, they stir different, different people different ways. People respond differently to what God is doing. For some people, all you really want to do right now is you just want to stand up and sing something. And I need you to wait for that. We're going to have a... Uh, Standing and singing will be an, an option. Some of you want, like, all you really want to do, you just want to pray. You just want to tell them thank you. And you can pray where you are, but there's, there's like, a lot more step here than there was over at Grace. And so, uh, but if you want to come and you want to just kneel down here, that would be amazing. So you can kneel and pray. That's another option. Um, there are some who, who would look at financial stewardship, at tithing, as tithing as a response to God for what he's doing. And how he has taken care of you. And so there's, there are little tables here on the corners. And there's a place where you can give or you can leave a prayer request there. So you can do that as well. And then we're going to have uh, four of our men serving communion. And they're going to be positioned on each side. And this is maybe a little bit different. But this, in this serving of communion, you will line up uh, if this is one of the ways you want to respond. And you'll take the bread and you'll dip it into the cup and you'll take it yourself. And when you take the bread, one of the men will say, the body of Christ broken for you. And when you dip it in the juice, you'll say, the blood of Christ poured out for you. And I want you to think about this as, as you see people in line and people singing and people praying and people giving. And just, just all these different responses to what God has, has done. Every single one of the people in this room, he has given himself for. It's, it's very specific. And so your testimony as you are doing these, whatever the things are, is also yours and it's also ours. There's a commonality that's there. And how he has taken care of his church, but also the two churches that have come together. There's a lot of story to celebrate here. And so we have a man from each church that will be serving communion on, on each side because you, I hope you're picking up on this thing that we're all in this together and and uh, so we're going to move around the room, and that's going to be, uh, that's fine. And we're going to try it this way today. But all of this is really us responding to the goodness of who Jesus is, as the one who has come for us. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. And the band will come forward, our servers will come forward. Join me as we, join me in prayer. Jesus, what a what a gift to us you are. You don't need us for anything. You don't need us to uh, 
to carry out the Great Commission. You don't need us to grow the church. You're not counting on us for anything. You're not dependent on us in any way. But you look at us, and just like any good husband, you look and you say, I want my bride to be a part of what I'm doing. We're, you, want, you include us intentionally because that's what love does. And we are grateful for your care for the, the global church, for these two local churches that have come together as one church, and also for our individual testimonies of how you crossed us from death into life. And so in these few moments, God, as we move around the room, as we respond in different ways, all of these are just expressions of our love and our gratitude to you. I pray that as we receive your body broken for us, your, your blood poured out for us, that you allow us to remember what you have done and also that you are coming again. It's the past and the future pulled into this moment. And as we pray and as we give and as we sing, may this just be a time where we, as those who have received this kind of care, just get to tell you and show you what's in our hearts. We love you and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The tables are are open. You can come when you are ready. And uh, you can do one or all of them. It doesn't really matter. But let's just take some time to show God and tell God uh, how we feel about it.